When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, I'm Sarah Bivens. And I'm Matthew Bivens. And this is the Doing It at Home podcast, the only podcast dedicated to empowering, loving, and honest conversations around home birth. What started as a fun way for us to document our own home birth journey has turned into a platform for sharing birth stories, resources, and education with the goal of empowering mamas and families to make the birth decisions that work best for them. Plus, we get into the antics, breakdowns, and breakthroughs of our own experience of marriage and parenthood. All right. You ready, babe? Yep. Let's do it, mama. Hello, and welcome back to the Doing It at Home podcast, the podcast where we love to talk about babies, how you make them, having them where you make them wherever you feel empowered to do both of those things, we are (laughs) in support of. And that is the space here that we have created to have those conversations, to get real and raw and also share in the magic and the empowerment and resources as well. So the conversations, the stories, the resources, the thought leaders, the experts, all of it we want to bring to the table and have doing it at home, which it is, and then just continue to grow into this outstanding community of birth junkies and birth lovers alike. So it's just such an incredible, humbling thing. Back to the have babies where you make them. You can have a shirt or a tank top or a sweatshirt or a hoodie that says that if you want it, it's available in our swag shop. (laughs) Go check it out. DIAHpodcast.com. You'll see the link to the shop and we have our have babies where you make them. It is our top seller by and far and quite the conversation starter I will add as well. And you know, I know, I know you know this because you're here listening to this right now. So you ideologically wouldn't really have an issue with the phrase have babies where you make them if you're listening to this podcast. But you know, it's funny whenever we do post or share about the shirt or if I wear it out or something, you know, people say, oh, so I should have my baby in a car or I should have my baby here or here. It's, it, you know, it's the phrase. It's cute. It's cheeky. And if that's where you want to have your baby, absolutely. So it's the sentiment. It's the energy of have babies where you want to have them, where you feel supported and empowered and you feel that that safe space is there to bring life forth. That's where we want you to have your baby. So it is still funny and cute to play with the phrase, have babies where you make them. So that's why we have it on a shirt and you can have it on a shirt too. So there's that. (laughs) Gosh, it is crazy to think about four years ago is when we first started sitting down to create this project, to create this podcast. And we had no idea. I would not have guessed that four years later, we would be doing what we're doing with it now, that we would have a swag shop with a shirt that says, have babies where you make them, that we would have 260 plus episodes, that we would have a book written. Yes, we do. We're working on getting it out to you. So the book is written and many more to follow, by the way, too. And that 
this this whole thing. I I would not have guessed it four years ago, but yes. It, as a matter of fact, about four years ago is when we made the switch to home birth and sat down and said, let's just start recording this process, this journey for posterity. Let's sit down week to week as this goes on and as we uncover you know, ebbs and flows, challenges, breakdowns, breakthroughs of this whole thing. Let's document that. And then let's just share it with people and see what happens. And then we did that. And then we had Maya and then we shared that story. And from there... Ooh, the dominoes of of stories fell after that, and we've been able to share so many beautiful, magical stories since, and will continue to do so until further notice. <laughs> so, and we have another one for you today. That's what we're here for, right? So, quick before we get into that. If you have questions for us, if you want to reach out, if you want to learn more about myself and Matthew, you can go to diahpodcast.com. You can email us hello at diahpodcast.com. And diahpodcast is our handle on social media. And all the links are in the show notes as well. So there you have it. Okay, for today's birth story. So you know how for our office fans out there, Bears beats Battlestar Galactica, the BBB, the alliteration. Well, I've got one for you doing it at home style. It is free birth, fetal ejection reflex, and feeling pushy. Yes. So I've got the alliteration, the three Fs, and three very relevant themes of today's birth story. So there you have it. Yes, I will be here all day. We are chatting with Catherine Muscox, and we have two birth stories for you, actually. So she shares both of her home birth stories, gives us the different elements and details of each, and then like I said, the themes that are woven into this story are really great because Catherine was considering free birth. So I'll just say that and, and how that kind of unfolds. Fetal ejection reflex is a present element. And I know that's something that many of us wonder about, you know, if we will experience that, or maybe you are a second or third time mom and you have experienced that. So you'll get to hear a little bit about that. And just that whole feeling pushy thing or feeling birthy is another way to put it that comes up in the conversation. And one other thing that I'll hit you with, but I will not go too far into it. I promise. What if you and your partner don't agree on home birth? How do you navigate that? How do you reconcile that? How do you process that and move through it to create a healthy outcome for everyone? So that plays a part in today's conversation as well. So if that applies to you, listen up because Catherine has some really, really beautiful gems in that. Quick word from our sponsor, and then we will hear from Catherine. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft. Made with Tencel, it's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Hi, Catherine. Welcome to the podcast. How are you, love? I am doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's thank a you. Yeah. yeah, we're we're grateful. It's uh, what seven a.m. your time, so thank it you for. It is. Yeah, thanks for carving <laughs> out this time and hanging out with us. No problem. Happy to do so. Yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. Um, so my name is Catherine, and I have a wonderful husband, Wilder. Then there is our three-year-old daughter, June, and our one-year-old, well, sixteen months. 
um, our son, and his name is Porter. And we live in what I believe is the most beautiful place on earth. It's a little town called Mammoth Lakes in California. Uh, most people think of California and think of beaches and sunshine, which is true, but Mammoth often will get the most snowfall in the country. So we're a snowboarding family, an outdoorsy family, and uh, a family that has babies where they make them. Ah! <laughs> yes. What a great we tagline. That. that should be on your front door or something. Okay. Yeah. Great little transition. And too. Matthew's eyes totally lit up with snowboarding because I know this man likes to snowboard. Oh, yeah. So you, got, you have him. You have oh, yeah. Full attention. And yeah, so, before we were recording, I mentioned that um, as a kid, I had gone to Mammoth at least once because we used to live down in San Diego. So we traveled mm-hmm. up there at least once. So. Oh, yeah. It's it's awesome i've only heard amazing things i don't remember any of it oh, okay so we gotta go we back gotta go sarah back. Yeah. and hang we out with Catherine and put check maya out on a snowboard yes <laughs> oh she's gonna be awesome <laughs> Gosh. so you have your babies where you make them that's pretty cool Catherine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we are in we are in similar company here so how did that come up for you as as an option did you always know you wanted to do that was it something you kind of fell into what's your background with that um, well, when I first became pregnant with my daughter, home birth had never crossed my mind. I made an appointment with my local hospital. There's only one. And I was seen at nine weeks. Um, I had a transvaginal ultrasound, which I'm mentioning just because it's something I decided not to do with my second pregnancy. But my journey to home birth started soon after that appointment. I was watching a wonderful documentary by Ricky Lake. <laughs> called The Business of Being Born, which I'm sure is how so many stories of women giving birth at home start, right? It's pretty cool, actually, <laughs> to hear it, you know, that what a yeah. cool thing. I wonder if they knew that going in, you know, the impact it would have in that way, that it would be a catalyst for so many, mm-hmm. so many stories, so many journeys. Yeah, um, I was easily sold uh, a short way into the film. I decided that I needed to give birth at home. I asked my husband what he thought, and I was met with 100% support. And so I started researching midwives in my area. And it turns out there are no midwives, well, no home birth midwives in my area. There were a couple nurse midwives at a lo- um, a nearby hospital, and I can't remember if they wouldn't attend or weren't licensed to, but either way, they just weren't able to. Um, and so Mammoth is kind of in a semi-rural area. The n- nearest major city is three to four hours away in any direction, and so I started calling midwives in those communities. The first two or three said that they would not travel that far. And then I found what ended up being my midwife because she was the only one that said yes and agreed to travel to attend my birth. Wow. And so this was three, four hours away? Um, her birthing center was four hours south of my home or is All right. four, four hours south of my home. Yeah. Um, I didn't get the opportunity to shop around. So I was really blessed that I loved her. Um, oh, that's great. Yeah, that is great. Is yeah. That, yeah. Cause I meant you were making those trips once a month. And mm-hmm. that is well, very true. This just must really speak to how passionate you were and committed to this type of experience though. Cause I can think of, I mean, no one would fault you or blame you for 
not wanting to go through with a home birth with her, you know, I guess, you know, you had the free birth option, but to have Mm -hmm. a, a midwife there, you know, so many would think that's, that's too far. Like that's an eight hour trip Mm -hmm. in one day to do. And then while pregnant and then Mm -hmm. you will get more pregnant, you know, so that you just, you just were really committed. It sounds like I was, yeah, they ended up being like eight to 10 hour days. I'd always stop and get lunch, but it's, it's totally worth it to receive the care that comes with a really good midwife. I just think that that's powerful for anyone listening who might have their own, what might be perceived as obstacles or things that come up around, whether it's your care, whether it, you know, whatever it could be. Um, it's just how you frame it. It's just how you look at it. Right. And it was worth it to you to have that care. So Mm -hmm. it's really just about what experience do you want to have and what are you willing to do to create that experience? So I think that is super inspiring. Mm -hmm. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Heck yeah. Okay. All right. So we have midwife a couple hours away, more than a Mm -hmm. couple full day endeavor here. Then how did you, you know, take it, take us from there. Um, so my pregnancy was normal. Um, I was, I was actually sick a lot during that pregnancy, pregnancy, nauseous and throwing up until the end. Uh, but I was gaining weight, so it was fine. Um, I did have one, not a scare, just more of a concern, maybe around 30 weeks. I felt that there was a day of decreased fetal movement. So I went into labor and delivery, in my neighboring town where my mom lives to get an ultrasound and everything was fine. The baby's heart rate and the movement were great. But during that time of waiting to see if it was okay, uh, I was given a bit of a hard time. The doctor was talking about that this may be serious and I might need to be airlifted to a bigger hospital for a C-section. And then when we found out that nothing was wrong, she was really encouraging me to reconsider giving birth at home. Mm-hmm. And the fear mongering only made my decision to birth at home stronger mm-hmm. um, because I was already having a hard time being in the presence of that energy. And I knew I just couldn't do it during labor. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, that's that's a that's a test right there. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of regretted going in, but it was good to know that everything was fine. Absolutely. Yeah, you followed that. that intuition and, you know, you were confirmed. And I think I think that's great to take that step. And you know, you got a, a side of something extra that you weren't really expecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You get to firm up that conviction and just how you were choosing, you know, what was, what was best for you. And I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, um, during that pregnancy, I didn't listen to podcasts. Actually, I think it was the year that you guys started the doing it at home podcast. Anyways, um, I did read some books, but mostly I watched birth videos on YouTube, um, which gave me a blind sense of fearlessness because there was none that ended badly. You know, they probably wouldn't post that. And the majority of these birth videos had little audio. They did have romantic music and were edited beautifully. So I was blissfully ignorant as to what I was really going to go through during labor. Um, so when birth time came, my midwife was actually at a conference three hours north of me. So she was an hour closer rather than if she was coming from her home. And the day before I gave birth, I was having what I now know were mild contractions on and off all day. At the time I was brushing them off thinking maybe I was being a hypochondriac, which is insane because I was very pregnant. I was at 39 in two days. Anyways, so I didn't call my midwife until the next morning when my contractions were waking me up. 
And she assured me that this was going to be a long process and told me to keep my chiropractor appointment and then just to go about my day as normal. Um, I went to my chiropractor appointment in the morning and I feel like that adjustment just kicked everything into gear. I went home and I tried to go about my day as normal and I just couldn't. I couldn't pick up a piece of laundry to wash it. And so I called her and I told her that and she was like, no, you're fine. Try to take a nap. <laughs> and so I tried to take a nap and I was actually able to fall asleep, but each contraction was waking me up. So I eventually got up for good and just labored the rest of the day around the house. Um, I tried my best to eat and drink. I got in and out of the shower multiple times throughout the day. I did have a birth pool, but I thought that I could be in labor until tomorrow. So I didn't want to fill it too soon. Um, my in-laws flew in that day and they had a three hour drive to our house. So when they were about to arrive, I decided I was going to take one more shower than attempt to get dressed and greet them. And this was now 6 p.m. And something changed then and I had to sit down. I stopped the shower and I drew a bath and I knew then I could not leave this bathtub unless my birth pool was ready. And I told my husband to call the midwife and tell her to come and for him to start filling the birth pool. Okay. And um, yeah, it was getting serious. <laughs> and how are you feeling at this time? Um, well, fine. I wasn't really concerned about anything. But um, I, I, like I said, I was, I was kind of ignorant to what my body was going through. So I didn't know how long I had. It was just hard to tell. Yeah. Okay. So is midwife en route at this point after you were? Yes. Come? Okay. Yes. She got it. I think she headed out just around 6 PM. And this is where my husband kind of got a little bit panicky. He was attempting to fill the pool. And also now I really needed him to be with me during contractions. Um, he was hesitant to bring his parents in. They had rented a home next to ours. And I told him, I was just bring your parents in here now, let your dad help you with the pool. So they came in and his mom sat with me and held my hand while I was in the tub and was so supportive as I was going through my contractions. And then his dad helped him fill the pool. And then during this time, I called my mom to come and she was there within an hour. And I'm not quite sure what happened to our original plan with filling the birth pool. But what ended up happening was my husband and his dad boiling pots of water on the stove and then dumping them into the pool. So by the time that it was ready, our little one-bedroom apartment was probably 100 degrees from the steam. Oh, my gosh. It was. It was so hot. And um, just before I got into the pool, also, I didn't really know it at the time, or I didn't know the phrase at the time, but my body was starting to experience um, fetal ejection reflex. Okay. Yes. And so, what is that? Can you can you describe that? um, Fetal ejection reflex is an involuntary. reaction, I guess you can say. I compare it to throwing up where when your body needs to throw up, your stomach contracts. And um, when you need to have a baby, your uterus contracts. 
to get the baby out. Right. Did I? Yeah. I would, I would say I didn't personally experience that, but what I've heard and what my understanding of it, it's basically like your body's doing the work. Like yes, you're not yeah, in the driver's seat takes anymore. Over. Kind of thing. No, yeah. Not in the driver's seat. It's something that you definitely can't control. And so when it's starting to push, man, you're just along for the ride. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got into the birth pool when it was full enough. And this was now around 9 p.m. And bless my husband, but it was just way too hot. Um, he decided to get in to support me, which was super sweet. And then I soon discovered that I don't necessarily love being touched while in labor. (laughs) And so I could tell he was overheated from the stress and the fact it was just really hot in our apartment. So we weren't in there very long. Um, and actually during this point is where I kind of lost my cool and yelled at my husband and my father-in-law because they were talking about the water heater and I think I maybe said a curse word. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) we will not fault you. It is okay. Um, I feel like the heat from the pool just really kicked um, my fetal ejection into action. And so me being ignorant to what was happening, I thought that I had to poop. And so I asked for help to go to the bathroom And I sat on the toilet and I instantly knew there was no way that I could sit there for any longer and attempt to go to the bathroom. So I tried walking back to the birth pool and I stopped to have a contraction by my bed and that contraction broke my water and it was amazing. It was instant relief. And my, my husband yelled something like the baby's coming, but in my mind. In my mind, I was like, the baby's here. That's it. I did it. I'm done. Wow. (laughs) Because I had this little bit of relief and I was in between surges, but that wasn't the case. I had a little bit longer to go. Uh, My husband called the midwife then and she told him just to get me on the bed. And now looking back, the only way that I can remember this part is it being an out-of-body experience. Like I was watching from the ceiling, looking down, um, I could see myself on the bed and I could see everyone in the room and on the phone, my midwife was on speaker and she told me to stay in my head, uh, which was insane. Cause I was on the ceiling. Uh, yeah. I was so far from being in my head and I couldn't tell her that. Um, so I just kind of threw the phone <laughs> and, My mom was holding my hand and I was on hands and knees and I went through maybe two more contractions where the fetal ejection reflex was doing its thing. And then on that second one, the baby's head came out and this freaked my husband out and he thought the baby was suffocating or drowning and so he yelled for me to push And I didn't feel like I needed to because I was in between contractions, but that was my one forced push and that birthed her body. And she was born into my husband's hands at 9.21 PM. Oh Oh my my gosh. And throughout this whole story, you didn't mention a midwife being there. No, she, (laughs) she, she, she was in route. Oh, wow. Yeah. So how long after, after um, the birth, did the midwife show up? Um, you know, I just had to actually, actually ask my husband. Uh, we think it's like probably 30 minutes she oh. showed up. So yeah. He was, uh, he, he was replacement midwife. For, for yeah. That experience. Uh, wow. He was. 
and he was taking directions from her why she was on the phone. Okay, and yeah. I mean, it, it all turned out beautifully. Um, we didn't know the sex. And so after the baby was born, my mom came to me and she said, it's June. It, it's a girl. Um, and then we cried. And after a few minutes uh, or seconds, probably, I, I had the t- strength to turn around and sit. And my husband placed her in my arms and just kind of interesting um, she did not cry. She opened her eyes and looked around like she had been here for a hundred years and just breathed. And it was just so extraordinary. Wow. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, ooh, and so in, in the time frame from, from then to when your midwife did arrive, like, did you birth your placenta there before she got there? How, how no. was everything logistically? No, I, I honestly, I don't even know if I knew what a placenta was. So <laughs> um, everyone just kind of sat around and was really supportive. Um, my daughter had a lot of rare necks and everybody came and kind of just like rubbed her head and gave me um, some love. And then it, it felt like it was pretty quick. Um, the 30 minutes, my midwife came and everyone was thrilled to see her. And then she <laughs> assessed. Uh, she assisted me in birthing the placenta, which came right out, and um, assisted me with getting a good latch. She stayed probably until midnight, and she cleaned my apartment and made my bed. And then she placed my baby on my chest um, to go to sleep as she left. And I'm just so grateful that it all happened the way that it did. Oh, it sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Baby June. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay um let's take a quick break and when we get back let's have a second birth story because why not <laughs> yeah why not <laughs> okay Catherine. so when you became pregnant again it was home birth again no questions asked yeah no questions asked you can't really you can't go back once you've had an amazing home birth experience you know hospitals hospitals not on the table anymore and how was Wilder going into the second time around? Did he feel really, you know, empowered and excited given how he got to step up in the first birth or what was he kind of working with? Huh. <laughs> so for me, um, by the time that we were ready to start trying for a second I was in full birth junkie mode. Um, I had started listening to stories and podcasts, your guys's podcasts. Um, and so I, had heard of lots of moms deciding to free birth and that really resonated with me when I unpacked my first birth I found that being alone during the majority of my labor was what I valued most in that experience and my midwife had already said that if I had another she probably wouldn't travel again so for me it seemed like an easy choice and then I told my husband that free birthing was in my heart And this time, I was not met with 100% support. (laughs) My midwife not arriving in time was very stressful for him, and rightfully so. So at first, we really butted heads over this idea. 
And then I had a moment of like clarity or like an aha moment. And I was maybe a couple weeks pregnant now. And we were visiting my brother who had just bought a fast crotch rocket style motorcycle. And my husband came out wearing my brother's motorcycle gear. And he told me that he was going to go on a ride through the canyon where they lived, which is long and crowded. And he's not very experienced riding motorcycles and this definitely was his first time on this kind of bike and he didn't ask me what I thought which is fine because I always support him in whatever he wants to do and it occurred to me I didn't need his blessing to birth alone um that he does a lot of dangerous things that could leave me a widow at the end of the day and I don't have many things that really mean a lot to me but you know, birth is one of them. So I explained this to him and told him that I'd never tell him to not go split boarding and avalanche terrain. So he can't tell me how I'm going to give birth. And after he looked at it that way, he was fully on board. Um, He just asked that if I could get prenatal care. So we knew we were safe to have another home birth. Catherine, you are my bro. (laughs) Shiro. That is awesome. That <laughs> Holy is... wow. I know yeah. so many moms right now listening are just like, badass. Yeah, that's powerful. You know, <laughs> he, he, he has his things, and I don't have a lot of things, and this is my thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just love that just in the way you shared it, you know, if I'm tuning into not just what you're saying, but the energy behind what you're saying, it's all coming from love, too. Oh, I didn't yeah. get any sense from you that you were like, you know, middle finger to your husband or kind of, you know, it's just, this is what I'm choosing. And, you know, I understand that I don't need to, you know, to use your words. I don't need your blessing for this. I understand that. And that's okay. That's what I got from it. You know, I I think when we kind of come into any big life decision, especially around our, our babies and birthing them, if we have a lot of angst and kind of rebellious resistance against something, a power that be, or an entity like that can bring with it residual stuff that doesn't necessarily serve us. But when you're just coming from this place of peace and understanding of where you're at, and Mm -hmm. you can also understand where other people are at, that to me is like, that's win, 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 win. And so I'm just, again, super inspired by how you've carried yourself in in all of what you've shared thus far. And then particularly with this, because you know, there are many out there grappling with what you experienced, you know, looking to have their partner on board or really wanting that buy-in and maybe you don't get it, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So powerful. I really appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. I hope, I hope it helps someone out there because I know that it's a common thing um, to kind of get resistance from your significant other. Mm-hmm. Okay. So at this point you've um, shared and now he got it. And so how'd you guys take yeah. it from there? So, um, to find a midwife that would just, um, treat me for prenatal care. I actually ended up calling my previous midwife and she said that she would attend, but only if I induced at 38 weeks. And as soon as she said that, I knew that it wasn't going to be an option for me. Um, I wanted even more of a natural experience this time. And so um, we kind of went our separate ways. Uh, And I had heard about another midwife um, who was located three hours north of me. And I called her and asked if she would agree just to do prenatal care. And she said yes. Um, But she also mentioned that she had witnessed 
quite a few births via Skype or video call for various different reasons and asked if I was interested in doing that. And I was. I felt like it was a good compromise. It would make my husband feel more confident and I would still be alone. And so that's what we agreed to do. And I drove again. This time it was only three hours one way (laughs) for my prenatal appointments. But again, totally worth it. Um, She gave my husband infant CPR education and taught him how to use an AMU bag and was so supportive, especially about my decision that I didn't want to do any testing or ultrasounds this time around. Uh, She asked actually for consent to use a Doppler on me one time to confirm the pregnancy, which I really appreciated. And then she only used a fetoscope from there on out, um, which was, you know, super nice. Like my previous midwife was granola and this midwife was just full crunchy and I absolutely (laughs) love her. (laughs) And I'm just curious, what does Wilder do, um, in his profession? He, um, kind of is in the electrical field, you could say. He works at our local power plant. He's a power plant operator. He's really handy. He could take a car apart and put it back together with his eyes closed. Um, So I just, I was just trying to uh, create a visual in my mind of what he does in his work. And then also like part-time birthing babies, you know, delivering babies. The fact that he was there for June and he's learning all these skills to go into this second birth. It's really cool. Yes. He's actually the smartest person that I know. He can read a long series of numbers. And once he reads it, it's in his mind. He knows it for the rest of his life. Mm. Um, And so when he decided um, that he was going to help me doing the home birth, I mean, he just dove straight straight in and um educated himself and practiced and he was just completely prepared Mm. go wilder that's That's amazing cool okay so we were gonna have kind of a skype in video chat birth attendant and you're traveling for your prenatal what what else was going on towards the the end of the pregnancy or moving into birth Um, you know, that pregnancy, um, also just super normal. Um, I wasn't sick all the time, um, which is actually kind of interesting. My first pregnancy, I could barely eat. And my second pregnancy, I ate everything. And both pregnancies, I, I gained 20 pounds, like exactly on the dot. So Mm. I kind of think that, you know, you're just supposed to gain what you're supposed to gain and that's what your body's going to do. Mm-hmm. And um, I felt really great my whole pregnancy. Um, My mom had been calling me every day towards the end to see if I was feeling birthy. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she called the night before I gave birth and she asked again, she's like, are we having a baby tonight? And I assured her, I was like, no, I didn't even have a cramp or a slight feeling like labor was anywhere near, Mm -hmm. Uh, which was not which was not the case. (laughs) (laughs) I love when things get prefaced like that. You know, you can kind of tell the story when, you know, well, I just wasn't thinking this or I wasn't anticipating this or, you know, even the the ignorant stuff. I was ignorant to this. And you're like, this is going somewhere. I know we're going to come back to this. (laughs) Right. So that night at some point I went to sleep on the couch as I was often doing because it was just more comfortable. 
And I had my first contraction at 2 a.m. And I texted my husband, who was sleeping in our room upstairs, that I had a contraction, but that he could probably still go snowboarding. (laughs) It had been snowing for days. And that day was supposed to be a bluebird day and really great snowboarding conditions. Anywho, um, about an hour after that first contraction, I got up to use the bathroom and I had my bloody show. Uh, which was interesting because I didn't have that with my first. Um, Anyway, so I went back to sleep in my room and soon after um, falling back asleep, I had my second contraction that broke my water. And I told my husband that my water broke and he sprung out of bed and into action. And he asked me if he should start filling the birth pool. And somehow instinctively, I knew that there wasn't going to be time to fill the birth pool. And I felt really bad about that because my husband was so amazing. He built me a support platform so the pool could safely be in our room. And I had built like an altar with lights and affirmations, but it wasn't meant to be. So (laughs) I went, so I went and drew a bath, which was fine. And then um, while drawing my bath about three minutes after my second contraction and my water breaking, I had a clearing of the bowels, which is also interesting because these things, they didn't happen with my first uh, labor. And now they're all happening really fast after each other. And so my husband was downstairs and started a fire. And then he came back up with a hot tea and he got my midwife on the video call and put um, the phone on a tripod. So she was looking at me in the tub And right away, the contractions were very intense. Um, I wasn't able to talk through them. And as they got stronger, I became louder. And so my daughter woke up from the noise, maybe like at 3.30 or 4. Um, So maybe an hour or an hour and a half after my water broke. Um, My whole pregnancy, she would sit on my lap and watch hours of birth videos with me she loved them she would ask to watch certain ones again like she had favorites and we always talked openly about what was happening and what the mommies were going through so when she woke up she knew um it was birth time and she said the baby's coming and she went and she grabbed a couple of her little baby dolls and she just sat right on the floor in the bathroom and she literally cheered me on uh we have video of the birth and you can hear her saying the baby's coming out of your vagina. You're a lion. Oh, my heart. That's amazing. Oh, my, my gosh. <laughs> she, she, she was two at the time and just, like, so wise beyond her years. Um, yeah, so once I started uh, feeling pushy and um, that my contractions were once again turning into fetal ejection reflux, I turned around and got on my knees Um which is what I did during my first pregnancy. And I felt like that really helped. This birth was really different in the fact that I was very much present and in my head. Um, I could feel the baby moving down within me every inch of the way. And I was saying my affirmations aloud. And um, once again, after just a couple fetal ejection uh, contractions, the baby's head was birthed first. And then I had a moment in between contractions. So just his head was exposed. And my husband was much calmer this time. And 
he knew this time it was safe. And so he just told me that the baby was moving its lips. Mm -hmm. And then my next contraction came and with it birthed his body. And he was born into my husband's hands at 4.59 a.m. Wow. So cool. Yeah. Actually, I had a birth playlist um, going. And the second he came out, the Beatles sang, Here Comes the Sun. Wow. That's awesome. Which was so special because it had been snowing for days. And the sun was just about to come up. And I had just had a son and, um, um, and I didn't know it was a boy cause we didn't have any, um, testing or ultrasound. So once I looked down and I saw that it was a boy again, instant tears. Um, and then kind of like with labor, the things that need to happen after birth also happened extremely fast. My placenta came out right after he was born. My bleeding was normal. And then within a minute he pooped. Um, and unlike his sister, he gave us a good cry right away. Um, and I took a minute just, just to hold him and look down at him. And then my midwife asked my husband to take a listen to his lungs and then actually suggested using the amnu bag because he sounded a little congested and wet. And I'm so glad actually that I had her listening and watching because at the time I was out of it and I really thought, you know what, he's fine. But after watching the video, I could really tell that he sounded like he needed a little bit of help clearing his lungs. So my husband pumped a little air into his lungs and he sounded better fast and it never felt like an emergency and everything was fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gosh, you guys are such a, such an awesome team. I know. Birthing these babies. I mean, wow. Yeah, it is teamwork, you know, doing um, the labor is one small part because he really rolled up his sleeves and did everything else. And how was June when Porter arrived? She was so excited. She wanted to run to the tub right away. Um, And my husband was like, no, just give her a second. And so after I was able to sit down and turn around, she ran right up to me and she threw her arms around me and just gazed at her little brother. And um, she was great. I'm like tearing up thinking about it. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, uh, is Wilder now offering up doula services? Because I mean, right. he's got some great experience. He does. He does. Um, no, um, it, so- it, it's a convincing to do this one. I don't think you could pay him to go <laughs> go to another woman's birth. All right. All right. That's fair. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so my midwife stayed on the phone um, for about an hour and, like, went over with my husband doing the weight and the measurements and the cutting of the cord. I had actually hoped to save the placenta this time, um, but I was just tired, and I knew that it had meconium on it. So we decided to get rid of it, and my husband really beautifully um, put it into our fire. And Oh, wow. That's how we got rid of the placenta. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then, um, actually, this, um, the the sun was just coming up, and my midwife's family was staying at her house, and it was so sweet to see 
on her end, her grandchildren waking up and coming and sitting on her lap and virtually looking at us and the new baby. And they were just like, oh, grandma, you know, does babies. We've seen yeah. a million babies. <laughs> That's what grandma does. Yeah. 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 And it was such a beautiful day. Um, it just went on as usual. My mom came to meet her new grandson, and she ended up cleaning my room. And once again, my in-laws had perfect timing, and they arrived a few hours later. And actually, we went out to dinner that night, and there was a family, and they probably had a six-month-old. And they asked, how old's your baby? Oh, and my father-in-law proudly said, 12 hours old. Oh, oh there you go, Grandpa. So you, so you were able to get up and get in a car and go out to dinner? Oh my gosh. So just to mention also just kind of to give hope to moms. Um, my first experience with postpartum, I had like a minor tear and I had all the normal things that come with it, soreness, and it did hurt going to the bathroom. And with my second, it was quite literally like nothing even happened. I had absolutely no soreness. It never once hurt to hurt to go to the bathroom. And I think I like went on a walk that afternoon. It was just like weirdly back to normal within a couple hours. Okay, I'm gonna that subscribe to that so plan, awesome. please. I'm gonna yeah, wow. and I think it had a, had a lot to do with um, me just letting my body push naturally. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Or I was just really lucky. <laughs> that's so cool, though. That's, that's uh, yeah. Both Sarah and I are like, oh man, that's. I don't think we've heard that before. No, I don't think we've heard of a out the house excursion the same within day, the same twenty four hours. No, within yeah, last oh, I was yeah. just Amazing. like, you know what? I feel really good. I'm gonna go out and walk in the sunshine. Gosh, I'm surprised you didn't go snowboarding. <laughs> oh, I'm not. I'm not that crazy. <laughs> you are a trailblazer, Catherine. Yes, you I, are. Uh, is there anything else that that you want to share, or anything else from what you had in mind as far as your stories that you just want to put out there? Anything to leave mamas with? Oh gosh, um, no. I w- I wish maybe I had something better. Um, all I can leave them with is um, hope, especially during this time. Everybody needs a little bit of hope, um, and that regardless of the situation and what everyone else is doing that birth is still important right now you know um and having a good birth experience will never not be important mm-hmm. i mm. completely agree with yeah, you well put mm-hmm. very much so Catherine, thank you so much give special thanks and love to wilder june and porter and all yes. the grandparents for us i yes. just i feel like i got to know and love all the characters of this story and you know <laughs> just they're so great and uh sounds like a very blessed situation you have going on there and whenever we are out that way we are gonna hang out oh, yes, <laughs> i look forward to it yes awesome thanks so much Catherine. okay bye guys Quick note about the Doing It at Home podcast. Matthew and I are not doctors or medical professionals, and nothing we say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. If you have medical or health-related questions, please take them to a trained professional. We're here simply to entertain you with stories and conversations about pregnancy, birth, and parenthood. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad-approved? Dadages. 
Hi there, I'm Chad Higgins. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Dadages. That's D-A-D-A-G-E-S, wherever you listen to your podcasts. 